Welcome to Kingdom of the Logos. We're going to be talking about UFOs, angels, and evangelism today. So we've got an interesting podcast for you. Thank you for joining me. I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor, and there are two others with me here in the studio. I'm Pastor Amanda Sparrow. And I'm Pastor Mike Proctor. Pastor Mike, would you pray for us as we begin? Oh, yes. Heavenly Father, we come before you and give you thanks for your unfailing care for all of your uh, creatures that you have created. We thank you, dear Lord, for the opportunity to uh, dialogue with one another and go to you in prayer, dear God. So as we uh, discuss, we pray that we are aware that you are present with us, for indeed you are ever-present, all-knowing, and all-powerful. So, dear God, uh, help us today. I pray for each and every person who is watching and streaming, Lord, that they're able to take those burdens and lay them down at your altar, at at the foot of your throne, that you will not only transform every situation, but transform us into being the image that you created us to be. And so, dear God, bless this time we have together in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, so we have three segments we're going to be doing today. The first is on UFOs and what impact the potential for alien life has on the Christian faith. We're going to try to come at some different angles for this and do some critical thinking and put things in their proper order. Should be a fun conversation. And in case you're wondering, the U.S. government has actually officially confirmed UFOs. You know, you're no longer a kook for believing in them. <laughs> it is now something which is confirmed, and they've been declassifying hordes of footage. But we live in a day and age where people are unmoved by truth, and no one really seems to care or talk about it. So we're going to talk about it, and we think it's something that you might be interested in. You may not hear about this, so we're here to talk about it some. Then we're going to talk about evangelism, but not the conventional conversation you might expect on evangelism. Actually, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 13 and be reminded that Christianity is not the only faith that is actually trying to convert people. Hell itself is trying to have security of souls for eternity. We're going to look at that. And then finally, we'll come back for our third segment where we're going to talk about angels and have a serious conversation about what it would be like to meet an angel. And would you prefer that to be an angel in the line of St. Gabriel? who can have a nice nice message, or St. Michael, who comes to bring (laughs) cosmic war. So we're going to talk about all of that and, of course, a lot of little things in between. So let's begin on the topic of UFOs. So in case we're unaware, actually written into legislation, our federal government is now required to declassify everything on the subject of UFOs here this year. And they've been dropping a lot of stuff like crazy. It hasn't got a lot of media attention. And we just live in a day and age where, kind of like Jude says there in his letter, that there are people who have stolen in among you who pervert the grace of God into sensuality. We live in a day and age where everything is so sensational that we're like, okay, aliens, pour me out another one and let's go on to the next thing. It's like nobody cares. (laughs) This is actually a pretty big deal. And a lot of people look at this as something where this could redefine our entire understanding of the world. You know, what role does Christianity play if suddenly there are aliens? I actually had somebody come to me at church, a young man, a very faithful young man, came and asked me, said, you know, if Jesus died for our sins and there are aliens, are they saved as well? Like, did Jesus die for their sins as well? And a lot of really serious questions. And today, I think it'd be good for us to talk about that. So while I've got this playing in the background, let's go ahead and start with a question. And I'm going to posit this to Pastor Amanda and then Mm -hmm. Pastor Mike. How, if at all, do you see the reality of UFOs changing Christianity? And you can interpret the word UFO however you like, but ultimately we will go towards the conversation of aliens. But let's just begin with that question open-ended. How, if at all, do you see the reality of UFOs changing the Christian faith? Pastor Amanda. Well, I think practically speaking, again, like if UFOs are... uh, if we were to then, you know, right now they're un- unidentified, but if we were to figure out what they were, if they were just like some kind of uh, aircraft that are, is used by humans or a, a, a means of like a weapon, a means of war, um, or if it was aliens, either way we identify these objects, if we ever identify them, there's probably going, it is going to practically affect, I think, all people um, in the sense of just like what is going to be the consequences of this discovery and how does that affect the day-to-day life. I think, though, theologically, again, there's going to be a reaction to it, but it shouldn't theologically change anything we believe. Um, Because, now this is, again, the hill I'm going to die on. If we really understand provenient grace to be provenient grace, 
And if God is God, if God is sovereign, if God created all things, if there's nowhere where God is not, then this is just one more element of the created order that we are discovering. Um, and, and therefore, again, there's going to be a practical day-to-day change, but theologically, cosmically, no change. Okay. Mm-hmm. Pastor Mike, what are your thoughts on this? Just initially, however you'd like to take that, how, if at all, do you see the Christian faith changing with the reality of UFOs? Well, I think, you know, the the understanding that there have been unidentified flying objects is 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 pretty much accepted you know what are these objects we don't know Uh, but at the same time what is the christian faith it is the worship of our creator and our god and this has i i don't even think you know you you opened up and said well if you believe in ufos you are no longer a kook i just throw a disclaimer out there that doesn't mean you aren't a kook either (laughs) you could still be a kook Uh, but i do think we are seeing um, you know, with everybody in the digital age, it's got a, you know, a cell phone camera. You're seeing all these things that are being not only, uh, you know, captured on video uh, in the air, but in the water. And so let us remind ourselves that, uh, you know, just a few short years ago, you know, the giant squid wasn't something. It was considered a cryptid or a, uh, an unknown species. But now they're finding more and more species in the Amazon forest. We're finding uh, more and more species that, that haven't been uh, discovered or at least put in the books of science. Our Bible is not a science book. It is a book about salvation and faith, and it should not change anything um, just as we find a new creature in the Amazon or some forest or something, you know, uh, you know, we can't place God in a box. In fact, I think it is important for us to realize if God creates other worlds and other places, that, that is very much the God of love that we, that we uh, worship. Mm-hmm. And see, now coming to my turn to answer this question, I'm actually going to, I'm, I'm glad we're all here because I'm going to take a different angle okay. and approach to this. And mostly a very different angle than dad did. Dad said the statement, you know, the Bible is not a science book. I'm actually going to rebuke that a little bit and say in Genesis 1, bleeding into Genesis 2, you do find the creation of natural law, the creation of biology, ecology, the foundations of what we call science do not exist without the God who makes the heavens and the earth. And even the ability to reason and what we have in the modern sciences, they all come out of the church. Like they really do. Rene Descartes creating the scientific method. Even things like the Big Bang Theory were authored by a priest. So like what we have in the modern sciences is, if you're honest about history, an outreach of the church and the application of God's natural law. Well, that's not its goal. That's all I'm saying is is that's not its goal. But yes, you can find scientific, uh, you know, understanding there if you look. But at the same time, that is where uh, I think we start with the premise that God is a God of love and God of creating. Mm. Well, another thing too is the framework of how people think. Christianity is not founded on philosophies, creeds, stories, or any such thing. It's founded on a fact. Jesus of Nazareth died on a cross and rose from the dead, or he did not. You know, when Paul articulates throughout his letters, he, he pretty well establishes this. You know, if Jesus rose from the grave, that changes everything. Mm-hmm. And if he did not, then none of the other stuff matters. It's just some, you know, kooky cult. But whether or not there are, are UFOs and specifically aliens on another planet does not change the fact that Jesus of Nazareth rose from the, the dead. He either did or he didn't. Mm-hmm. And that's one element that I want to begin with. Christianity actually begins with the assertion of an objective fact. You have to wrestle with that fact. And again, there will be people who deny that Jesus resurrected. They oftentimes don't actually make that claim. It's very rare to see people deny Christianity on that terms. But in truth, that is the ultimate framework of Christianity. He either rose from the grave or did not. And that really is the undergirding premise of all things pertaining to salvation. Now, a second thing that we need to keep in mind, when we look at Scripture— And maybe I've read one or two many C.S. Lewis books. And of course, I'm writing a book right now about a, you know, fallen plane of heaven. When you look throughout scripture, the heavens are described as a plural entity. Quite, quite frequently, in fact. When I actually went back to do a little bit of research this week to try to put a number on how many times the heavens are described plurally throughout scripture, I made it a short way into the Old Testament and was like, okay, this it's it's <laughs> the many. number of this is it's just unreal. 
The amount of times that the heavens are described in their plural form is, mm-hmm. is phenomenal. And when you go all the way to the end of Revelation, there will be a new heaven, a new earth. But yet God's kingdom, it is transcendent and it kind of overarches mm-hmm. all of that. Mm-hmm. There's almost this subtle implication that the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are a little bit different. Yep. And now that sounds a little bit strange to hear. Mm-hmm. And it definitely sounds strange to hear if you've never heard a pastor talk about that. But scripture actually kind of lays it out there that there's, you know. Slight differences. And that's what, yeah. um, sorry, I don't, I don't mean to jump in, but like Matthew's gospel primarily uses kingdom of heaven versus kingdom of God. And we did a series on it, and, and, and I can't remember all of it. It's been a year. But, uh, yeah, the kingdom of heaven, its emphasis is this idea that that which was thought to be far away has now come near, right? So the thing that only where God was so distant and so other and that perfect order and that perfect justice and that perfect love was somewhere else to be achieved at some other time in some other place now hits earth right and this is done in the personhood of jesus the christ and um yeah so i I think sorry drank way too much caffeine um before this but this is kind of like yeah what i think where you're going is that there's something happening so far beyond what us as human beings can understand and yet that God is already there. God is already working. And this is within God's created order. And so yeah. this is this is nothing that this does not surprise God. This is not outside God's control. Um, and I mean, that's just that's the phenomenal thing. Yeah. And I'm going to be frank with you all and I'll ask you all a follow up question. Hmm. I would actually be surprised if in the universe, the God who made the heavens and the earth only had a single rock with creatures on it. Now, not all creatures are made in the image of God. We know that humanity, men and women, are created in the image of God explicitly. Mm-hmm. Other creatures might have the fingerprints of God on it, and they might do God's will. They might have a divine order and a divine calling. But I would actually be surprised if there was only one domain that God created. I mean, we obviously see throughout Scripture, we get reference to, like, the abode of the dead. That's obviously another plane. We get the references to the kingdom of heaven where we find characters like St. Gabriel, St. Michael. We, we have this implication that they come from this, this realm. Mm-hmm. And then you also have the judgment seat, which is where God will render his judgment. But at that hour, the heavens and the earth have all melted away. So where is that? Mm-hmm. There's this subtle implication throughout Scripture that there are multiple planes and things like that. And again, maybe I've read too many of the Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> But the whole idea that God does have, and even other books like the Paralandra uh, and C.S. Lewis's Out Into Space trilogy, you know, I actually would kind of be surprised if, if there wasn't other things created in, in the, the fingers and hands of God throughout the, the universe. So that's just my thought. And I want to see y'all's reaction to that because I actually asked some people at church by that. And I actually had several older folks who said, no, they would expect God to have made other Other. domains as well. And I was shocked because I would have expected that demographic to be some of the most resistant to it. Mm. But they were saying, no, we we kind of expect that, too. What do you all think about that? Yeah, you know, I I think that's interesting. And so whether, whether we're talking about multiple dimensions or just life in this dimension, but on another planet or another solar system, or even another galaxy, what, what, you know, what's the possibility of those? Um, and, and yeah, I, I think we see God as creator and, and God did not stop creating after six days or however, you know, we, we but God keeps on creating. And we see that even now in yeah. our world and our, on our plane and our planet. But so, yeah, it, it would not surprise me. Um, I think the interesting thing though would be what we do um, or not what we do with, but Jesus as the pinnacle revelation of God, right? This, this, this embodiment that of who we are created to be, we are meant to be, uh, like Jesus. Like we can live in perfect fellowship and relationship with, with one another, with creation, with, with God within ourselves. And this is made possible because of Jesus of Nazareth, who was born in the first century, who was crucified, who was resurrected. And yet, the love of God, the revelation of God, the, the 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 desire and will of God did not start and stop with the life and death of Christ. It sure. lasted long before and will last long after. This is why we have the logos, the wisdom, the the order, um, the Christ. And, and so that's I, I don't know. Like did 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 God reveal God's self through a, an alien form on another planet? I, I don't know if that's necessary. Because what Christ did saved all of creation through all time and through all space. So yeah. does 
But then again, do we have that kind of corner market in our plane and on our planet uh, on Jesus? No, because again, Christ is everywhere. Um, the the love of God is everywhere. The revelation of God is everywhere. Sure. Um, so so I I don't know. Like I don't know if we'll go to a you know if there's another plane. Is there an Aslan versus a Jesus? I, yeah. I'm not quite sure about that I, one. I do want us to get there eventually. Okay. <laughs> I want us to get there, but I want to ask Pastor Mike, what do you think? What do you think about God having other planets, solar systems, other planes, dimensions, would that be surprising to you? You know, I don't think it's not only surprising, but I think there is good science that we have seen that it's with peer-reviewed articles that point to the evidence of the soul where beyond people's death. And so these, you know, they call them early death or, or uh, uh, a near-death experience, but some of these things happen where people actually enter into another plane and they're able to give accurate details. And this is not just, you know, somebody's story or something like this. This is a very much scientifically documented by good researchers, not necessarily Christian researchers, in fact, that point to the evidence of a soul, uh, something that people are able to understand and and discuss about things that are happening from another plane where they can actually interact and view things in, in, in the in this plane. So, you know, these are this is very important for us to realize that we don't know everything about this God for sure. And we can't place our minimal understanding above the all knowing, all powerful God. Sure. Mm-hmm. So let's flip the script on this. We are going to talk about salvation a little bit, and there's two sides to that. Really, a lot of people actually look at aliens as being salvific themselves. You you find this actually very common. The whole Heaven's Gate thing, that cult, mm-hmm. looked at aliens as being the new salvation. You look at something like the Steven Spielberg film, you know, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Fifth Kind? Oh, gosh, Third, no, kind. Third Kind. Um, so that whole movie, the whole premise is the aliens come, but then there are a few select people who are kind of chosen by the aliens and they get to go into this new domain and it is a salvific thing for them. It's like they're the chosen elect. It's very common through a lot of UFO, you know, alien mentality and circles for them to see this as sort of like a salvation coming to rescue us or something like that. Before we get into the salvation side, I want us to do a critical thinking exercise and try to wrestle with why do we think this would be a problem for people? Just aliens in general? Yeah, why do we think aliens would be a problem? My assertion is when people have forgotten a couple of things, if, if you if you don't start from the point that God has created the heavens and the earth, heavens being plural, quite literally, um, and the earth, and you, you kind of try to reinvent everything from the perspective of humanity, and God does not expressly reveal these things to us or in such a way that makes it so clear that we couldn't even misinterpret it. I could see how people would say, well, why didn't God come and, you know, make Jacob's ladder so complete that everybody could cross over the plains? Um, Why haven't we heard about this before now? Why don't we have saints and things that are just alien species that have come and gone throughout time? I could see why people would say there needs to be more evidence on the front end from Scripture. And the fact that God has been so quiet about it now must mean that God doesn't actually have authority over these matters. Then, therefore, God is not real. Hmm. I, I could see someone making that argument that says God's silence on the matter, the church's silence on the matter, their, their blatant ignorance on things seems to mean that they're not as true and as comprehensive and universal as they, they would. That seems to be the logical argument that I would come up with hmm. if I was someone who found this to be a problem. But what ideas do y'all kind of arrive at if you suspected this to be a problem, cosmologically? Well, I think, uh, you know, I think we have, we're we're living in the information age where we have so much information feeding us that we sometimes want to rely and be self-sufficient by default and thinking that we can know this and we can know that. I think there's a certain amount of fear that people have of the unknown and rejection if they can't feel like, uh, you know, there's some control here. But the truth is we know so little about this amazing world, much less the space. But one thing we can do, I mean, this whole beauty of the heavens that we look up and see at night, yeah, we have telescopes and we can see things, but the 
order and how the universe actually uh, holds together and functions and works. It's extremely beautiful. And even just from laying out, uh, perhaps on a, uh, the porch swing and looking at the heavens at night, it's beautiful. But even with a telescope, you get this beauty, the, the, the harder we look and the uh, more we magnify it, the more beauty we see. And we have to understand that God is a God of order and beauty. So for me, I, I feel like there's this fear of the unknown that some people may have. And, and uh, you know, sometimes it, there is a lot of unknown. We just have to embrace that we don't know everything. I think there's a whole um, group of people that, that feel like they know so much that they have to explain everything. And not being able to do that is to reject it. Yeah. That's just where I, I, I think personally. Okay. Yeah. And that Fair may enough. or may not be for every single person for sure. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. And and I know you said talk about salvation later, but um We can go ahead and go there. Well no, I was just thinking I, I think that's the only I, I think a lot of people and even in the question that the young man had asked you at church, I think that's the concern, right? If there's other creatures, if there's other beings, what do we do with salvation? Like what do we do with the act of Jesus of Nazareth, the, the yes. life of Jesus of Nazareth. Um, and, and I think then we have to ask ourselves, what is salvation? Did Jesus come to just save human beings, homo sapiens, or did Jesus come to save all things? And and, and this is where, where I know we're talking about evangelism next, so it's going to get real interesting real quick. Um, if Christ has come to save all things... And again, never to force all things into salvation, but to save all things. If Christ has come to redeem all of space and time, where all of us, every last human being, every last um, rock and tree and dog and cat can be caught up in the life of salvation, then we can find less hesitation, less fear in this idea of, of who Christ is and if there are aliens, because then Christ has already... Uh, made space for aliens. You know, Christ has already invited even aliens into the salvific work of God. And, and so I think that's where, like what Pastor Mike was saying, there's this fear of the unknown. I think there's a fear of knowing, because if someone cannot be saved or is not included within salvation, then what does that mean for us? Sure. What does that mean for the people who never have heard of the name sure. of Jesus? And I, I think that's the real heart of that fear, though. It is the unknown, but it's more like if if aliens, if, if a Martian or the Vulcans or whoever are not a part of the salvific order, can I not be part of the well, yeah, salvific like the order? question, how can there be a God of love if Spock if, and everybody on Vulcan is all condemned just because they've never heard of Jesus on right. another planet on the other side of the solar and, system? And so then, and, and that question seems silly until you, I think if you dig deep enough, it's not, is can Spock be saved? It's, can I be saved? Yeah, you're right. Do I have a hope, a real hope and assurance of sure. salvation? And I think that's where, again, we go to prevenient grace, uh, the work of Christ that says, yeah, all things are being caught up in the life of, of Christ, in, in the hope, in the salvation of Christ. And again, I, I want to be careful with that language because it is, we, God never forces God's self on anyone or anything. We still have that responsibility to, ha to make a response. But I, I think there's something scary, but also hopeful in this idea of maybe potentially being aliens because we just see the breadth and the depth and the unboundless, unrelentless love of God. Sure. And maybe, again, I've read too many Chronicles of Narnia, <laughs> but I kind of expect it. Like, it doesn't bother me at all. Like, I, I'm I'm actually the sort of person that anticipates it. Like, well, as, as yeah. part of God's created order. Like, I'm... I'm waiting for someone to build the space, uh, the, the, the space shuttle or the, the, the time machine or the, um, I don't know, the dimension jumper, whatever we want to call it. I, I, I'm, I am waiting, like extremely excited and i hope it happens in our lifetime i know elon musk and somebody else uh, is competing with him to make a uh, uh, to 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 get people to space sure. um and i think it's to the moon maybe to mars i i i hope i i want us to find life uh beyond this planet uh not only do i anticipate we will but i want it to happen in my lifetime so i can experience it yeah and um, I will i will gladly i don't sure. have the money to go on spacex but if i did i would gladly be a part of that well <laughs> Going a little bit to 
the question of salvation. And I think another opposition that people might have to this and why it might throw a wrench is the simple biology of it. Again, God mm. creates the natural law, and we find that throughout you know, men and women, you look at, say, a pig, a dog, there's a general biological similarity. And even if you look at something, say, like a worm or a single-celled organism, there's still a level of similarity in the proteins mm-hmm. and how we all interact. If you found a creature that existed, or I guess it wouldn't be a creature at that point if it's not created. If you found something that was uncreated, that just didn't <laughs> match that at all, and its morality was totally different, like there's no love, there's no cause and effect relationships there's no adherence to any sort of morality as we know it that could draw the question of well we know these universal constants of god must not be universal constants of god things such as you know order organization you know love these sort of things but back to the question of salvation i have, i also think it would be fully possible that you might find something like an aslan figure on another Planet. Planet. That in, is, is Jesus incarnate in a different form that's hmm. that's relevant to that people. Like, I wouldn't be shocked by that either. If it was revealed that God says, you know, I've, I've revealed myself many times through a lot of ways. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised by it either because Christ is Lord. Christ is Lord of all. Right. He, he has the full authority to do that. And he has full authority to do what is necessary and sufficient to his creatures as the, the shepherd of all. But another thing on this is when we look at the question of salvation— There is a flip side of all of humanity is hardwired to be religious in everything we do. And we're going to get to that in the next subject. But there are a lot of people who do look at aliens as if they would bring some sort of salvation and relief. Like, I would want to be taken away. And, I mean, you even kind of hinted at a level of this. I mean, you're not saying, like, you want it for salvation purpose, but for, like, curiosity purpose. Mm -hmm. When you take that curiosity element and you combine that with the God-shaped whole— you know, a lot of times that will be like, you know, everything on this earth has been terrible to me. I just want to go away from it. Um, beam me up <laughs> yeah. and turn me into, you know, whatever monster or debatably beautiful thing I might become. Like, let, let's get this party going because I'm so <laughs> miserable here. Like, there, there is a reality to that. Pastor yeah. Mike, your thoughts on all this? You, you know, we were talking, I was talking earlier about the evidence of the soul, but there's so much evidence of God, too, when we look around and not just the how order of the universe, uh, you know, how the earth spins and how all the the universe turns and interacts and uh, is in such tremendous order, but yet God is still revealing himself and miracles still happen. And for some reason, you know, we, we have a tendency to think that, you know, God has stopped doing miracles. That is mm. not true. God is still... Um, working and doing miracles, and it's beyond our understanding. And so, you know, to see God working in 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 other places, and I, I, I dare use the paranormal uh, language of of being in in you know something that's so mysterious. But indeed, God is a mysterious God, sure, a certainly. dangerous God, often, and yet God continues to reveal Himself and give life and life abundantly and for me i'm not like pastor amanda i'm still experiencing everything on this beautiful earth that god (laughs) has created much less for me to to uh uh, I, I, they, you know, I had to get up and go to the restroom a few minutes ago. I don't think there's a big enough restroom on that spaceship for me. Uh, I don't know if I could sit still long enough. But at the end of the day, I enjoy the beauty here. We haven't discovered everything. Even mm-hmm. Antarctica, they found a new mountain range there. Um, wherever you go, there is still great um, undiscovered things on this earth still. Mm-hmm. And we'll wrap up this segment, which we're like 10 minutes past. All these were supposed <laughs> to be 20-minute segments. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Um, I know. We're, we're having fun, though. Yeah. Uh, I want to wrap up with my thoughts of what we often call the supernatural and paranormal. I don't think are breaking Mm-mm. breakdowns of the laws of physics and the laws of, of nature and nature's God. I actually think they're perfections of them. Mm-hmm. So final thought on this segment. If you have any questions, comments, or oppositions, things which have struck you that we have not thought of on this, either the problems it might create, the solutions it might answer, whatever it may be. I'd love to hear those. I'd even love to have some debates about this with some people who have wildly different opinions on this because it doesn't really seem like a problem to me. In fact, again, maybe I've read too many fantasy novels, but I'm kind of expecting it as a part of God's creation. Like I I read all this stuff about the heavens and the earth, New Jerusalem, and I'm like, yeah, there's there's obviously some other planes that I don't have access to. Mm -hmm. Um, and God is king of it all. 
I, I fully trust that to be the case. Okay, so we'll be back in a moment to talk about evangelism from an interesting perspective. So thank you for joining us here at Kingdom of the Logos. And we are coming back. We're going to talk about evangelism just a little bit. So, I want us to begin with an understanding that we are fallen creatures and we live in a fallen world. Nowhere throughout human history has there actually been a group of people who are a-religious or atheistic. And this is something which is really interesting. In modern America, we've kind of got to this understanding that the Christian faith is predominantly the only thing that tries to convert people convert people. But in truth, throughout all time in history, whether you look in ancient Egypt, you look at the ancient tribes, the ancient pagan and heathen religions, there is this idea that you either come over here and worship our idols and our gods when you're here, or we sacrifice you to those idols and gods, which still gives honor and service to them. That, that's kind of how the ancient world has, has rolled. And you look throughout human history, it's a very modern and very unique thing for this whole notion that there's people who are atheistic. And of course, as we find out, it's really not the case because all people have a belief system. It is impossible to be alive without a belief system. I have never, never met someone who doesn't have a belief system. If you take away the Christian faith, you take away which God, that which he has created, people will interject politics. They'll find some other ideology. There will be something that comes to rest in that God-shaped hole. It is real, mm -hmm. and they will worship it, and you will get a place where we are now where people scream and like cry in the streets over things like politically because it's their idols, it's their gods, and they're, they're acting as if they see blasphemy when things don't go the way they want them to. Well, we in the church, we have to realize that the devil didn't just wake up in the year 1860 when someone like Oscar Wilde or Fyodor Dostoevsky over in Russia said, hey, we've read Nietzsche, God is dead, everybody's atheistic now. The devil didn't just wake up and be like, oh, dang, guys, we don't need to win any more souls for hell. They've all decided they're not going to do anything, so they're not in God's term, they're not in our ground either, so let's just pack up everything, you know. Go home. Go home. It's, we're done here. That didn't happen. If anything, I actually think what has happened is the forces of darkness got really smart and they said, we're going to still sell them the paganism, the heathenism, but we're not going to have the temple of Diana. We will still have the cult of Diana, but it won't have that name. And that way people, they won't really think they're part of a cult, but they are. I actually think that's what's largely happened is because we still see a lot of the same arguments, the same ancient ideas, the tribalism, the relativism, because polytheism is really basically just relativism and subjectivism. You're in Egypt, you live as the Egyptians do. You are in Rome, do as the Romans do. All that is just moral relativism. And that's how the ancient world operated. But Christianity is the one that comes along and says there's universal truth, universal reason, and all these sort of things. I bring all of this up. And we're going to read from Acts chapter 13. And this is a great biblical scripture to show us this. The forces of hell are actually doing evangelism. Now, it's not good news, you know, euangelion, but it is an ability to find conversions, to have security that people will be separated from God. So let's jump into this conversation. And Pastor Mike, would you read to us? from the book of Acts, chapter 13, verses 4 through 12. Would you mind doing that? Absolutely. Be attentive. Acts 13. Being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they came to Seleucia. And from there, they sailed to Cyprus. Arriving in Salamis, they proclaimed God's message in the Jewish synagogues. They also had John as their assistant. And when they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came across a sorcerer, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. The man summoned Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear God's message. But Elymas, the sorcerer, this is the meaning of his name, 
opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, stared straight at the sorcerer and said, You son of the devil, full of all deceit and all fraud, enemy of all righteousness, won't you ever stop perverting the straight paths of the Lord? Now look, the Lord's hand is against you. You're going to be blind and will not see the sun for a time. Suddenly a mist and darkness fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul, seeing what had happened, believed and was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. All right, let's just paint the picture of this really quickly because this is a beautiful illustration of evangelism in a fallen world. Hmm. Because not only do you have Paul, who is trying to teach uh, Sergius Paulus, who is the proconsul. He's an intelligent man. Scripture shows this guy is smart. He's able to look around and see what's going on. He hears about the gospel and he wants to know more. He sends for Paul and Barnabas, this Jewish official, or excuse me, this Roman official who's an intelligent man. He wants to hear the gospel. So we've got one person here who genuinely wants to know the truth. Is this gospel real? And he wants one of the evangelists to come and preach to him. Hmm. So in contrast to that, you have Elymas, the sorcerer. You also have Bar-Jesus, the sorcerer, but we mostly hear about Elymas in this. Elymas is there because he does not want the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, to hear the gospel. He wants to taint it. He wants to corrupt it. Why? Because he, too, is trying to secure Sergius Paulus for hell. Hmm. Now, he may not think that he's doing that, but he's trying to ensure this man doesn't hear the gospel and doesn't believe. What you find here is not only... Is Paul contending for this man's soul? But also, the power of darkness is contending for his soul. And this is a microcosm is what is, of what has gone on throughout the history of Scripture. In the garden, it happens with Eve. When you find Cain, there in, with Cain and Abel, Cain himself is the corrupt one wanting to kill his brother. And there are forces within him trying to corrupt himself. You know, God says, you know, evil sin, it's crouching at the door, its desire is for you. We have to realize that when we are trying to do evangelism, we are not the only ones doing evangelism. Hmm. And that is a very, very important thing for us to understand. We are not the only ones doing evangelism. So let's have a conversation about this from both sides. Mm -hmm. And Pastor Amanda, you had some really good notes on Christian evangelism from a couple of weeks ago. Mm. And I wanted you to just kind of share them and present them. And we'll start there okay. and talk about Christian evangelism. Just kind of briefly. Yeah. And then we're going to flip the script and talk about hell's evangelism a little bit. So, okay. Pastor Manor? Well, some thoughts I had shared. Um, a lot of times when we talk about evangelism, there, there's kind of two models that a lot of people talk about. There's the explicit and the implicit. And the explicit would be like, have you heard of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? And maybe it might not be that abrupt, but it, it is where there is some kind of... Uh, there are certain words that are said and, and made clear versus the implicit is like living your life in such a way that people see Jesus in you, even if you never say the word Jesus. And I was and, and both are good methods and can be good methods. Both can also be used wrongly. So the real distinction or the real emphasis is not so much if it's implicit or explicit, but is it motivated? Is it right. I used the language intentional, and then we talked about it, and we, we changed it to motivate it. Is it purposeful? Is there a goal? Um, yeah. So regardless of whether you say the name of Jesus, whether you do the Roman road or the ABCs of salvation, or you just have a kind conversation about life and family, or, or you know, I've had great theological conversations about Doctor Who, like whatever it is. But is there this, this, this heartbeat, this purpose, this motivation to bring people to better understand who God is and who God is calling them to be. And then the second thing, because we do hear a lot in the New Testament about this urgency to get people saved, that there, you know, uh, there are dire consequences if people aren't saved. And so there's this urgency. And I think, though, especially in the modern era where we have er erred uh, as a church, is we have translated this urgency into desperation. And so we do some really dumb things because we're like, we got to get people saved. And you're like, okay. But people can smell desperation and they run from it. So we do, there is an urgency to salvation, but it isn't 
desperate because and this is I think leads or, or is built on the foundation we talked about in our earlier conversation about UFOs. If God is God and if Jesus is the Christ and if provenient grace is provenient grace, uh, God has already been doing something long before we woke up and decided to join God in what God is doing. But that doesn't negate our responsibility. It just it doesn't start with us. Sure. Um, and so that I think helps us be urgent without being desperate. All right, so let's flip the script a little bit using that framework. Because when we look at something like Elymas here, and actually it's great, we have Bar-Jesus and Elymas. Bar-Jesus is more the implicit. I'm here as a sorcerer. I'm trying to woo you in the wonderful things of sorcery. I mean, that is literally why this man has attached himself to Sergius Paulus. That's why he's Mm -hmm. there. But then you get Elymas, who is the explicit one. He's outright saying it. He hears that the gospel's coming, and again, the reason why he is here is to stop the gospel. Let us understand this. I think in the modern church, we have confused the fact that we are commanded to love our enemies with the false notion that we do not have enemies. And what I mean by that is you cannot choose for someone else that they will love you in return. Mm-hmm. There are people who have decided, I hate you and I want to corrupt your faith. And we have to understand those people, they're lost to, but we have to address them with some truth about the situation if we actually want to minister to them. And that's one of the interesting things about this text. I actually think the blindness that is issued Elymas as a punishment is a mercy for him. Mm. And think about this. He's not condemned. He's not killed. He's not given some permanent maiming even. This is only a temporary thing. He is given a just consequence for his rebellion against God and then an opportunity to repent. It's not like Korah's rebellion where he's sent straight to hell. (laughs) It's not like... Which, what do we do with that? But anyways, continue. But but there's actually a bit of justice here where there's an opportunity to repent. But to kind of go back to your framework there, Mm. we do find evil using that framework as well. That's really why I wanted us to establish that Mm. because you do see the flip side of that being used. And in our modern world, it happens quite a bit. And critical thinkers in the church observed this and documented it well so much as 100 years ago, people like G.K. Chesterton and several of his contemporaries, how there are people fighting for religions which have no name. Mm. And a lot of them would even go back to quote people like Oscar Wilde, who really had this movement of, you know, we're rebelling against art. Um, we're, We're changing the standards where we're kind of going from, yes, art defines reality to where now, you know, or excuse me, where reality and truth defines art to where we can flip that script and we can recreate the world in our desire. Pastor Man, I'll let you respond well, to that. You know, you mentioned G.K. Chesterton, and man, I sorry, I'm going to try to not move so much. Um, <laughs> sorry. But I, I read a quote of his yesterday in a book I'm reading with my mom and my sister. We're, we're doing kind of a, a, a book study, and the author quoted G.K. Chesterton, and the quote is something like this. It says that a religion is not a church that one attends. It is the cosmos in which one resides. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and I think the, there there's great hope in that and also great fear. Because here's the thing, right? It, again, if God is is God, if, if God is in all things and works through all things um, or uses all things, it, if every inch and ounce of creation is imbued with the fingerprints of God, then all all of us, regardless of religion or philosophy, are responding to God's grace. Now, before you burn me at the stake, <laughs> let me finish that thought. Some of our responses are bad. Yeah, some, some are our, rejections. Some our responses are destructive. Yeah. But the hope in that is even every or everybody, even the people who crucify Jesus, are responding to God's grace. And God's grace has gone into their lives before they even could articulate or understand or even knew they were rejecting it. And, I, and, and But I think what the reason I bring that up in this conversation, yes, there are people who actively seek to destroy uh, others. There are some people through their own ignorance and even unintentionally hurt others. But there are people who are responding to grace in grace. And, and, and there is hope in that. That when, when those of us who proclaim the name of Jesus come across anybody in any of those circumstances can say, have you heard about Jesus? Yeah. The one who's already been working in your life. And can you understand that whether it is destructive or constructive behavior, God is 
with you and beside you and is calling you back that you don't have to still be broken. You don't yeah. have to fight against this unknowable uh, God-shaped hole that you didn't even realize was God-shaped in your life. And this is this is why evangelism is important. Even even if we take prevenient grace to its utmost end, evangelism doesn't get shorted because of prevenient grace or the universal love of God. It actually is empowered by the universal love of God because we get to be the ones that participate in this expression of love. Yeah. And it, it does take us to weird and uncomfortable places. And it makes us sometimes sound crazy and we might get close to heretics. But <laughs> but there is something really beautiful in this that even, um, like you said, and I liked how you pointed that out. And also I got really confused on who is who, but Elemis, El- uh, the sorcerer, the one that's actively charging against Christ or against, well, yeah, against uh, Paul and their proclamation, their gospel message. Even he still gets invited into yeah. the life of God. And to kind of flip the script on that, I actually think it's important to note that God does make it rain on the wicked and the just. The provenient of grace of God is everywhere. But I've also come to the point where I realize there are people who really want to live in hell and they want to create it. And, th- and, and that's, that's why really there is... like the, the dark like side of that because when you recognize the, the extremity of prevenient grace, you also start to recognize the extremity of evil mm. a little bit too. Uh, Pastor Mike, I'll let you come in and share some thoughts on all this. Well, you know, I think, first of all, the gospel is that God is king. God is king in the person of Christ Jesus, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit. What we see is that this king is the is the creator, and so it is the God of all. And that is the good news, that we are a fallen creation. We have to come from that uh, premise that we need a Savior. And everyone, I believe, has this desire to have, to, uh, to feel what we call the God hole, to have this king. And so even an atheist or whatever you want to call it, says they don't believe in a God, there is a God, whether it be the, yeah. their self be a God or, or no God at all being their God, so to speak. But this is, this is where we have good news that this God, the, the this one true God cares and offers this grace and desires for us to come and and to uh, be in that relationship. And the only way we can be in it is because of the work of this God through sure. Christ Jesus. To build off that a little bit, we need to realize that there are evil things trying to secure souls for hell. Like that, that is a legit yeah. thing that's been going on since the fall. Now, what we also have to realize is that everything we do, when we go out and we want to represent Christ, we have to be aware of the fact that there are other competing things trying to steal souls away. Like this is the great scheme of, of evil. And we also have to recognize when you look at Acts 13, I think one of the beautiful things about this is Paul loses his ministry to the intelligent man, Sergius Paulus, if he treats Elymas as if Elymas is acting in good faith. Elymas is acting in bad faith. And Paul responds, he says, you are the son of the devil. Hmm. If Paul doesn't do that, he walks away with no converts. And again, it's not ultimately Paul that does the converting, but Paul has failed as a minister. He's failed in what he's been charged. He, is, he has burned up his talent rather than using it wisely if he does not address them for what they are. And just kind of in wrapping this up, because we've gone a little bit long with this <laughs> as well, we do have to realize that we, when we're called to contend for the gospel, as Jude says there in his letter, we really are contending. There is a spiritual warfare that undergirds all the cultural rot gut, all the cultural, you know, infighting, the real civil wars, which happen throughout time, the cold civil wars, which happen where cultures are trying to hash out belief systems. Beneath all of that is always a spiritual warfare. Always, mm. always, 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 period. Take it to the bank. It is a battle of belief systems, what people view as good and desirable and what people want to reject. And that comes from this whole idea that we are created in the image of God. We have a natural desire to pursue that. And it oftentimes takes the shape of, I want a wrathful God who will tell me I'm special just because I am and he'll smite my enemies and I don't mm-hmm. have to do anything but agree with him. And I also want a God who will give me a great big hug and say, yes, the world's been unfair to you. Here is your eternal justice without you doing a thing. That is not the real picture of God. The real picture of God is, no, you persevere. Yeah, you've been wronged, but get up. 
be saved, be transformed, be born again. You don't need to be accepted like you are because you started off as a fallen creature. Be transformed. We'll wrap that up there. So if you've got any thoughts, questions on this, please send them to me. And we'll be back to talk about angels. We've got our most exciting, <laughs> I think, segment coming up now because it's going to be the most lighthearted of all. Uh, but also pretty serious still. So mm-hmm. we'll be back in a moment. Thank you for joining us. All right, let's talk about angels. If an angel came to you, and I've got three questions I'm going to ask Amanda and Mike. If an angel came to you, like bona fide angel, and not some sort of ambiguous situation where you might say, I think that person which like mysteriously appeared, told me something and then vanished was an angel. Like, let's imagine something like Gabriel coming to Zachariah where you know, (laughs) like you 100% know they're here from God. They tell you a very important message that, again, no confusion. First question, what would be your response? How would you receive that? Amanda. Um, well, I think a lot of angels' uh, first words out of their mouth are fear not. And so I, I think that gives us a, a great indication of what the common response is to angels. And again, like depending on what version of angel you get, do you get the Gabriel or the, uh, yeah, Gabriel coming to Zachariah or Mary where it's like, you know, a young man clothed in white, or I guess that's how they describe it, or at the resurrection and, and the ascension. But, um, or do you get something out of like uh, Isaiah or uh, what is it, Ezekiel, Ezekiel, where they're like eyes everywhere and animal heads and, and, and wings? Like, yeah, depending on the version of angel I got would really greatly depend. Because if I got the young man dressed in white, I'd be like, you're weird, but okay, we can do this. But if it's the multi head, like, or the wheels with eyes, I'd be like, no, no, I'm good. They're, they're like, fear not. Nope. I think I'll fear. I'll, well, I'll be afraid. <laughs> keep in mind the one dressed in white is appearances like lightning too. So that's also pretty powerful. Yes. No. I, yeah. I'm, I, but I could, I can, ha- I can wrap my, my brain around that one a little bit easier. Um, you coming at me with the multiple, like, what is it? Like one, they have four heads. One's the, like yeah. a bull and yep. one's an eagle or one's a, you know, a human face. Like that one we, we're going to have issues with. I, I think obviously being an the presence of anything supernatural, even if we're talking about supernatural being like really within the natural order, but being perfect. Yeah. There's, there's, there is this, I think response. Cause you're like, Oh, I am not that like, that is so other, that is so crazy. And it's not other as in like the complete otherness that is God, but it is still more there's muchiness to it that i think fear even if it's not like cowering in a corner fear there's still a drawback sure um and so yeah that would be so so self-awareness is like a big portion of your response there interesting (laughs) self-awareness is good i'm I'm glad that the the things of god generate self-awareness in some of us we would hope (laughs) we would hope pastor mike how Uh, would you respond you know i hate to say i agree totally with amanda but i do i mean it's like we you know i think uh this experience that we would receive i think natural response would be fear and trembling but i think we we understand that uh, an angel is really a messenger Mm -hmm. and we know that there's a message coming and we you know you pray that this is not a fallen angel this is not a demon but it is a you know so i think my response is who are you from you know what 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 mm. what's going on here once i i am able to gather myself together if i can gather myself <laughs> together yeah <laughs> i'm going to give my answer then i'm going to take the questions out of order okay um my answer would i'm, I'm actually like be like finally <laughs> um <laughs> tell me more though tell t- me more about this finally it, t- finally i i'm at the point now where well, actually, let me ask my next question, then I'll come back and, and okay. answer the first two myself. All right, so would you prefer an angel from the ranks of St. Gabriel, meaning the bringer of some good, beautiful message, or the ranks of St. Michael that you find in Revelation 13 coming to literally slay the ancient dragon, the diabolical one? And again, the bringer of war that we find here. It's perfect and good, beautiful justice, but one of them is very messy. Mm-hmm. And the other is very polite. And if you want to take the ranks of, you know, Ezekiel's eyeballs and circles, fine. But what what rank <laughs> of angel would you prefer? You, you know, I think my knee re, knee jerk reaction would be I would rather have Gabriel. But then I realized 
Michael comes to smite like the beast or the demon or whatever, right? Michael does that. Yeah. But when Gabriel comes, what does Gabriel do? Zachariah, Elizabeth, you will have a child. Mary, Joseph, you will have a child. Guess what? That smiting Michael's doing, you've got to do it. You've got to be in charge of, of, of you are now empowered to be the means of grace to the world. You get to be Michael to the world. And, and it's not the same sword slang, right? But it, there's action. So I almost would rather have Michael because then he does the job and I don't have to do anything because I am overwhelmed. But um, but then at the same time, but that's the beauty of our God, right? God invites us to do something. So I I don't know. I think I'm going to go with Gabriel. But depending on the day, I might wish for Michael. <laughs> All right. Pastor Mike. Uh you know, I, I'm, I kind of went back and forth a little bit, but I think I'm going to go with uh, uh, St. Michael just because you who there's are named so much. Michael. You know, well, it's <laughs> because there's so much spiritual warfare and battling going on that I, you know, I want those. Um, I, I, I realize my need for not only the angels uh, and, you know, guardian angel, whatever you want to say, whatever's going on in that spiritual warfare, I realize that there is a battle going on for my soul. And I, I just want to encourage, you know, not only St. Michael, but all the the angels and everything that, that we're dealing with that are fighting for God. And I want to be, you know, in, in right relationship with God at all times. So I'm, I'm going to go with... St. Michael um, over St. Gabriel <laughs> because the, the uh, I think we just under-realize the amount of spiritual warfare going on. I think I do a lot of times. So sure. I'm going to go there. Oh, that's totally me. And, <laughs> and I, I, I want St. Michael to show up. And, you know, I might be smote. Like a full self-awareness. I might have failed as a holiness preacher and earned a total and irrevocable destruction. If that's the case, then, okay, that's the case. But I'm at the point where, like, let's get this ball rolling. Like, mm. I may not be of the same, you know, design as the angel. May not have the same capacity in battle as St. Michael. But let give me a sword, too. Let's get this, let's get this ball rolling. Let, let's get this show on the road. Like, in, enough. I'm so fed up with so many things in the world. Just mm. totally fed up with it. Like, let's... Let's get going. You know, I'm here. Second Peter three, you know, patient, you know, waiting for and also hastening the day of God. Let's let's get this going. <laughs> it's kind of where I'm at. So I'm all about St. Michael show up. Let's mm. let's roll. Revelation 13. Come on, bring it. <laughs> OK, or Revelation 12, I should say, with St. Michael. Excuse me. What a faux pas. I got him in a chapter late. OK, so the second question, if you did meet this angel. Would you actually tell others about it? Or would this be something where you don't want to sound like a loon? Like we don't see throughout the Gospels like Mary making a perpetual big deal coming along and being like, hey, everybody, you know, it happened to me and Joseph. Mm. Like telling the story. And, and you also find this, there are several angels which come out throughout Scripture. But would this be something that you kind of kept to yourself? You kind of treasure it in your heart like Mary does with a lot of stuff? Or would this be something you were pretty prominent about testifying to? Well, I, I think there's obviously a messenger, an angel. That's what the word angel means, a messenger. It, I think it all depends upon the message. And I know that <laughs> sounds like a buy, sell, or hold, a hold. But I think you got to know, what is the message? Is this mm -hmm. message meant for me to express to others or is this something I need to treasure up in my heart? Well, but, and, and that, that sounds like a, a cop-out on my mind. Well, we can put a point on that. You chose St. Michael. Yeah. Which means he is his message may not even have words. It might just be the, the fiery slashing of a sword. So if that comes and that's the message, are you going to, to I've shout I've got to share it. Mm. You I think I've got to share it, yeah. Okay, okay. Mm. Good deal. Pastor Amanda? You know, I, I, I have heard from some people various stories that they believe and and i am not one to doubt them that they have encountered angels and they don't it's not like you know at a party like hi how are you you know i've met an angel before but it is something in conversation that they do share they're not afraid to share it but again it's it's not like i've got a funny antidote or a uh, yeah, that's anecdote. A, anecdote. They're Thank not, you. They're not bragging um, and boasting right, either. It's but, very a uh, humble. Right, but there is a message to be shared, even if it's not like 
You know, when we read the Old Testament prophets, there's a very specific message God gives them. Sure. And I think most people or the people I have talked to or heard from or ministers and missionaries who have shared stories about angels, there's not a specific message, but something has happened. An angel has intervened in such a way that there is a message, but that message is generally like God provides, God saves, uh, God is present, right? And and so those things can be shared so easily. And when it is appropriate and when they feel that it is it is good to share the specifics of the story of, of the angel encounter, they will. But that general message, that transformative encounter, I think is always shared in, in how they live and how they interact. And, and it, it's very interesting to me, um, those kinds of very specific encounters, again, the supernatural that are actually just, they're just superly natural interactions. Um, I think if you've experienced that, you can't help but share it. it, it nope, it's yeah. changed you um, so fundamentally. So, it, but again, how you share it might might depend, like Pastor Mike said, on the circumstances and things like that. And in full self-awareness, yes, I would want to share this too. Also, choosing St. Michael here. I hope that St. Michael doesn't just simply have to come because all sons of Adam and all daughters of evil, uh, all daughters of Eve, <laughs> Ooh, excuse me if I can There we go. All, <laughs> sons, all sons of Adam and daughters of Eve have not failed so badly in fighting evil that St. Michael's the first one to do it. Kind of like in the book of Nehemiah, like where where are all the royals? Mm. Where where are all the priests? Where, where are all the, the heads of household? Why are you all living in shame? You know, why does it take a cupbearer to the king to do this? Mm. You know, I don't want St. Michael to come on that part. I want it to just be that, you know, the ancient dragon is here. He's, he's after the woman and the child. And now you've got the beast rolling out of the sea. And it's it's just time. All those who are righteous of God, I hope that we have been sufficiently standing. And, yeah, I full self-awareness. I don't want Michael to have to come because of my dereliction of duty. Mm. But as a supplemental and encouragement yeah. of of ongoing works mm-hmm. and and i do hope mm. yeah i again i'm here got two hands ready to turn over some tables in case nobody has, has <laughs> noticed i'm like fully ready for that let's let's get rolling all right the last question i've got and this will wrap up our program this will be our final thoughts what would you like to ask the angel, if you were given the opportunity. So the angel sticks around. He's not just peeling out after telling you the words, but actually lets you ask something in return. Mm. What would that question be? And I know that's like a big one. That's mm-hmm. probably the biggest question we've been asked so far. <laughs> if you could ask one of those heavenly hosts immediately and directly, what would it be? I I think this is very ego, egocentric, but I would have to ask why me? Like there's just so many better people to to be that uh one given a mission um or purpose like that um i i just i i'd have to like i don't know i'd have to know why because what what does what does the angel or god see in me that i'm the person they have to ask i just I don't know. That would terrify me. I'd have to. I'm like, I got, you got to give me your 12 point plan because this is not going to be enough. All right. You, you say the 12 point plan. That's very similar to my answer. <laughs> Pastor Mike. I, you know, I think I'm just so bewildered that that I would be encountering an angel that that I don't think I would have the audacity to ask, <laughs> ask a question. But if no. I could, I, I think I would like to say. Can I send a message to God through you that I love him and I thank God for everything he's done in my life? Just not that we can't go to the prayer and go straight to the throne of God because of the work of Christ Jesus. But again, I think the angels, we constantly give praise to God. And Mm. uh, I just, uh, would you do that for me? That would be the one Mm. question to make sure that, um, not that I don't believe my prayers are being heard, but I just want to reinforce that. well, you want you want to take the opportunity to be grateful. And I want to be that's, the t- yes, absolutely. That's a beautiful and see, response. Yeah, it is. And now I sound like an ingrate <laughs> over here without any gratitude at all with my response. My my question would be the twelve step program. How do I make sure I'm not dumb? Yeah, like all these other people who have heard angels and then done something really dumb in response. <laughs> Lay it out for me. 
I don't care how smart I might think I am, how many you know wonderful concoctions that may have originated from my mind that I think is so clever, I I recognize that I am a by birth a fallen creature saved by the grace of God, but can do really dumb stuff. Lay this out for me. Yeah, so assume I'd, I know nothing. I'm, I'm and assume, then build from there. Yes. <laughs> assume I am really dumb and make sure that I understand what I am to do here, so yeah. that I. I'm going to do everything I can to stand, and I trust God to make me sufficient to stand, but I know dumbness can get in the way of that. Make sure I am not dumb. Yeah. But Pastor Mike kind of upstaged us all with his gratitude Indeed. over there. I know. That was such a beautiful response. That's <laughs> great. Well, I mean, I think, I think the whole thing goes back to you are a messenger. Mm-hmm. You have sent a message here. And your your role as messenger, what else is, is there to do other than to, to give praise to God? Well, and I, I think this like this interaction with, with angels that we're talking about, my brain also goes to uh, the great cloud of witnesses and what we do with saints. And not only are there times have people encountered angels, but what would we do? And maybe this is a question for next time. I know we're way over time, but what would we do if we encountered a saint? And I, I mean, like a saint that's gone before, not not obviously like we talk about the saints being the the people who believe we interca- interact with with saints all the time when we when we fellowship with God's people. But uh, what would we do if 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 Mary, Mother of God, showed up in front of us? Like honestly, that one would be more terrifying than an angel. I think. Um, what what if uh, I don't know john wesley came back from the dead to talk to us like what would we do what do we do with the the great cloud of witnesses that that is there yeah so but anyway sorry that was a slight bunny trail but no it's i like the gratitude and also anytime we recognize that the truth of god the truth of our faith is something worthy of being feared Mm. that that yes it's dangerous the lightning peels out from it it has victory throughout time Never be afraid of, of standing firm in the faith, ever, of anything. The gospel wins, period. Thank you for joining us. This is Kingdom of the Logos. <laughs> we'll wrap that up there. God love you. God bless you. And have a wonderful day.